All right, our reading today is going to be out of Revelation 21, uh, verses 1 through 4, and that's on 603 in our Blue Bibles. Um, as we always say, you're welcome to take um, a Bible home if you don't have one or uh, know someone who needs one. Uh, Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. Amen. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Father, what, um, what glorious promises we have in your word. And Lord, I, I pray that this morning, um, each one of us here would leave with a renewed sense of hope about what you have accomplished, but also about what you have promised to do. Lord, I pray that as, as we hear um, how the end of your story plays out, Lord, I, I pray that it would just transform the way that we think and live today. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and, um, Lord, that it would be your word and not my word that goes out to your people this morning. And, Lord, as, as we always pray, I ask, Lord, that you would give us hearts with fertile soil um, that your word may take deep root in us today and produce change and produce a harvest for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, go ahead and have a seat. Um, it is so good to be with you guys. Merry Christmas. Today is the fourth Sunday of Advent. So we have, we have made it to week four. And this morning we get to uh, finish and wrap up our series on Emmanuel, which means, as we've said, this, this glorious truth that God is with us. God is with man. And, and what an incredible story it is that sinful man like, like you and like myself get to dwell in the presence of a holy, righteous, and awesome God. And, and I hope that you have a better understanding and a better appreciation and, and a greater love for this name of God, Emmanuel, um, that has been God's purpose for his people from the beginning. God created us that we might dwell with him, right? We've talked about that. And even after our, our rebellion, even after 
our, our, our sin, even after our demanding independence from God, even after the union between heaven and earth was fractured and broken, God never abandoned his purpose of Emmanuel, his purpose to be with his people. God never gave up on you and on me. And after years and years of promise, he sent his one and only son, the long-awaited Messiah. And Jesus came and he lived the life that we were incapable of living. And he died the death that we deserved to die in order to open up a way back into the presence of the Father. And through Christ, the curtain of separation was torn and a way was made for God to dwell with his people again. And at this very moment, Jesus is in heaven preparing an eternal dwelling place for his bride, the church. And that's us. And when he left, he gave us his spirit that we might have the presence of God with us today and every day and every moment, helping us to trust in Jesus and prepare ourselves for the bridegroom until he returns for us. God's story is an incredible story. But the ending is the best of all. The end is the best of all. Uh, have you ever have you ever read a story or watched a movie that you're kind of into, and then it has a horrible ending? You know, everyone dies or, you know, whatever, and it kind of ruins the story, right? God's story has a good ending. The ending is the best part of all, because as good as it is to know that we've been redeemed, as good as it is to have God's spirit dwelling in us, which we do, we still live in a world ravaged and torn by sin. We still experience hardship, loneliness, sickness, loss, and death. Many have experienced that this year alone. And though we are forgiven through the blood of Jesus, through the atoning work of the Lamb of God, sin is still at work in us, right? I am painfully aware of my sin and my shortcomings. My shortcomings as a husband, my shortcomings as a father, my shortcomings as a pastor, my shortcomings as a friend, as, as a human being, as a follower of Jesus. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8, uh, verses 22 and 23. He says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, th this is a striking metaphor. Paul is comparing our current spiritual condition to childbirth. And childbirth is very unique in that it's an extremely painful and difficult event that leads directly to unimaginable joy, right? 
Now, obviously, as a man, I have never experienced childbirth. I was present for uh, the birth of uh, my daughters, uh, which was which was incredible. I witnessed my wife go through the process. I have not experienced it myself, but I would imagine, and I, th- I think I'm right here, that what helps women get through the difficulty of childbirth is the joy that they know is coming at the end of it. Is that fair, ladies? I, I would imagine that when you hold that baby in your hands for the first time, you would say that the pain was worth it. The struggle, the labor was worth it. And this is our spiritual reality today. We have already tasted and seen that God is good. We already have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. And yet there is something so much better so much greater that awaits us. Because we know that new life is on the way, even as we're still in the middle of labor pains. And that's what I want to think about this morning, because that's a part of Advent. We are, as believers in Jesus, to be a people who groan and eagerly await and long for what's coming. Are you longing for, are you eagerly awaiting what's coming, what's been promised? The second coming of Jesus, the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem. God's purpose is for heaven and earth to be united again, like it was in Eden. God's purpose is to physically dwell with his people again, to be wedded to his people, his bride. We talked about last week how Jesus, as our bridegroom, is in heaven preparing a place for us in the Father's house. And so just as a a Jewish man would go to prepare a dwelling place for his soon-to-be bride, Jesus is in heaven preparing an eternal dwelling place, an eternal home, for his people, for his bride. And the Holy Spirit, we said, is our seal or our guarantee that Jesus is going to return for his bride. That's a promise, right? Absolute guarantee. But now I'm going to mess with some of the theology that you learned as a kid, if I may. You see, Jesus is not returning in order to take you up to heaven. You are not going to spend eternity in a heavenly city up in the clouds somewhere. But Jesus is going to bring heaven down to earth. Remember what we said in week one. The Bible is a story, God's story about heaven and earth. And God's purpose is not to save us out of the earth and whisk us away to heaven as the earth goes up in flames. God's purpose is and has always been to redeem and restore the earth, his creation. God's purpose is that his creation would once again be very good. 
And that, by the way, is the reason um, that the idea of the rapture doesn't work, right? It doesn't fit God's story. God is not coming to uh, pull us out of the earth, save us out of the earth as it goes up in flames. God's purpose has always been to restore and redeem his creation. So Jesus will bring heaven down to earth. We read that in our passage. The bridegroom will come down to his bride, and there will be a wedding, a union. There is no greater celebration, there is no greater relationship than a wedding, a marriage, a union. And God is bringing heaven down so there can be a wedding, a union between heaven and earth, and a union between God and man. See, we could, we could never attain to heaven. We could never do enough to earn our way into heaven, right? We've tried that. Religion has tried that and failed. But God, in his grace, is going to bring heaven down to us. God's glorious purpose for his creation is the new Jerusalem. King Jesus is going to bring his city down to earth. And if you have trusted in and submitted to the king, then your future is to dwell with the king in his city for all of eternity. That's your future. So what is the new Jerusalem going to be like? Have you ever thought about that? You know, it's, it's funny. I was, I was thinking this week, we, we don't talk about heaven a whole lot, or at least not as much as we should. But what is the new Jerusalem going to be like? What is our eternal home, our eternal dwelling going to be like? What is it that we have to look forward to? Now, if you've read some of those accounts of people who have supposedly died and gone to heaven and then come back to earth, um, then you might think that heaven is going to be like a bigger version of Disney World, right? Um, and I've got to be honest with you. Um, that doesn't make me very excited. Um, you know, as a kid, that might have sounded like a lot of fun, um, I remember, you know, going to amusement parks as a kid, and man, that was, there was nothing more fun than that. And you know, the, the spinnier and the flippier the ride, the better. Um, but I take my kids now to those amusement parks, and they're like, Dad, will you ride this with me? And it's kind of like, oh man, do I have to? It's like my, my stomach, my head doesn't hold up to those things quite as well as they used to. Heaven as a giant theme park um, is is not very exciting for me. And I think we have a lot better to look forward to than that. And I will say um, that the scripture does not tell us a ton of information about what the new Jerusalem will be like. But certainly, uh, Revelation 21 and 22 gives us some insight into God's city that we will dwell in and what it's going to be like and what we can look forward to. So I want to look at that and, and think about that and hope about that this morning. 
So let's start in Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God. So I'm going to stop right there. The first thing that we can say is there is a throne in the new Jerusalem, and Jesus is going to be the one sitting on it, right? Jesus is the one in charge. And for the first time ever, we are all going to agree on the government of our city. For the first time ever, there will be no more political bickering and complaining. There's not going to be there's not going to be Facebook or Twitter in heaven for you to post your political frustrations. And that alone makes me excited um, to be in heaven. Uh, but there's a lot more. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So the the new Jerusalem is going to be a city, a, a great glorious city. But unlike our cities today, which tend to be dirty and chaotic, this city is going to look a lot like a garden. The river of life will flow through the middle of the city, the tree of life on either side. So in other words, it's going to look a lot like the Garden of Eden, right? That's what John is describing here. Katie and I sometimes talk about, um, you know, maybe someday later in life uh, that it would be nice to move out of the city and just get to, uh, you know, be in nature and, and enjoy nature more. We've talked about, oh, you know, it would be it would be nice someday to, to live somewhere, somewhere beautiful. Um, I joke with Pastor Mark, but I'm I'm still waiting for our Northridge Life New Zealand church plant. Um, and it hasn't happened yet, but I'm, I'm still holding out. But it, it would be nice to live somewhere surrounded by the, the absolute beauty of God's creation. And, uh, you know, every time people ask me where I'm from and I say, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm from Oregon. And then I grew up in Austria and now I live in Lubbock. And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, Wait a minute. You, you lived in, in Oregon and then Austria and now you live in Lubbock. Right. We can admit that this is not the most beautiful part of the world. Um, and sometimes there's longing in me to, to live more in the beauty of God's creation. But at the same time, anytime we think about that, we have no desire to leave the community of our city. Right. And God's city is going to be the best of both worlds a beautiful garden-like city full of God's beautiful creation and full of joyful community with the saints. And God's city, we read, is going to be full of every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Revelation twenty-one twenty-six says, They will bring into it, into the city, the glory and honor of the nations. Now, since the fall in Genesis 3, the nations of the world have been 
at war with each other. Country has been at war with country, one race at war with another. And, and throughout the, the history of Israel, throughout our own history, we have seen violence and war and injustice, segregation, hatred, mistrust, fear. And, and as far as we like to think that we've come, it's really no different today, right? You look at the, the race riots of this year alone. The, the murders, the racism, the injustice, and we ask, what is the solution? When will this end? How will this end? And Jesus is in heaven preparing a city for us where every nation, every tribe, every skin color, rich and poor, young and old, will dwell together under the rule of Jesus Christ. And Revelation tells us that there will be healing for the nations. So the new Jerusalem is going to be a city full of God's glorious diversity. It's not going to be an American city. It's not going to be a Jewish city. It's going to be a city for the nations, and we will, for the first time, dwell together in perfect unity. People who were once at war with each other will embrace as brothers and sisters. American, Iraqi, Israelite, North Korean, Kenyan, Austrian, Indian, Vietnamese, Jew, Gentile will stand together and worship Jesus Christ as king together. And that will be something marvelous to behold. I can't wait. Um, I got to, uh, I, I mentioned I grew up in Austria, and I got to attend a Vienna Christian school, uh, which was a, just a small private uh, school in uh, Vienna, Austria. And it was a small school. We had about, I don't know, 200 kids at most for first through 12th grade. My graduating class was yeah, like 16 kids, something like that. So it was really small. But one of the greatest parts of attending that school was the diversity. Um, uh, my my best friends um, from middle school through high school um, were from, from Greece, uh, from South Korea, from Turkey, from Japan, from Austria, from the United States. Um, we had a girl in our class from Africa. We had a girl in our class from Venezuela, uh, from Japan, uh, on and on and on. Um, and in this tiny school, I think we had well over 30 countries represented. And there's something that's just absolutely wonderful um, and beautiful about dwelling in unity, in friendship, in love with people from all over the world. Um, I'm so thankful for that opportunity. Um, but today, you know, we tend often to separate based on our race. And even in the church, right, even in the church, we have, you know, we have primarily white churches, and we have primarily black churches, and we have primarily Hispanic churches. Um, but in heaven, in God's city, there's not going to be a white church or a black church or a Hispanic church. And imagine how glorious it's going to be when every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every race stands shoulder to shoulder singing in every language in unity. Holy, 
holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we will do that for all eternity. And I can't wait. And church, that's, that, that kind of unity and fellowship is possible because Revelation twenty one twenty seven tells us that everything unclean, everything detestable and false will never be allowed to enter into God's city. So sin, evil, selfishness will have no place in the new Jerusalem. Imagine a city full of people with no crime and no exploitation, no injustice. I lived in uh, right outside of Chicago for a year uh, when I was going to college, and it was understood that there are parts of the city that you just don't go to, right? You, you don't want to go hang out in this part of town. It's not safe. I grew up in Europe, and a lot of the cities there have have sections of the city that you don't want to wander into, especially at night. You don't want to see some of the things going on in certain parts of the city. But the new Jerusalem, God's city, will be a city where evil and injustice are not allowed through the gates. There will be no slums in God's city. There will be no poor or homeless. There will be no abortion clinics or drug rehab facilities or hospitals or red light districts. There will be no segregated areas or crime-filled dangerous areas. There will be no need for policing or security. There will be no evil whatsoever, no sin in God's city. And even better... There will be no evil or sin in you. You will have a perfect, glorified body and mind, free from every sinful desire and inclination. Can you imagine that? I don't know about you. Um, well, I say that. I actually do know about you because you're like me. Um, but I have trouble going a few minutes without a sinful, prideful, selfish thought or desire. And we have a propensity to lust and to lie, to gossip, to envy, to covet, to idolize. And this life is a constant war against sinful flesh, right? I mean, it, it, never, it never ends. It never stops. That's what Paul talks about in Romans 7. He says... For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. And I can painfully relate to that. I think you can as well. But when Jesus returns for his bride and we are welcomed into his city, we will be given a new resurrection body and that lifelong war against sin is going to be over once and for all. As 1 John 3 says, when he appears, we shall be like him. We're going to be like Jesus because we shall see him as he is. And in the presence of our king, with our resurrection bodies, 
Revelation 21.4 says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. One day, your body won't be breaking down anymore. That's a wonderful promise, right? Now, some of you are, are still too young to have figured this out. Um, but there there is coming a day where every morning when you wake up um, and, and start to roll out of bed, you say, I wonder if something's going to hurt when I get up this morning. And then after a while longer, you get to a point where you say, I wonder what's going to hurt when I get up this morning. And then a little while longer, you start to say, I wonder if something's not going to hurt when I get up this morning. So that's what some of you youngsters have to look forward to. Um, but but think about it. I, I have an entire career based on the fact that your body is breaking down, right? Um, I, I treat and I see people every day with broken bodies. Um, and, and, and people ask me all the time, they're like, David, I, I didn't even do anything. I just woke up and my neck was hurting. You know, I was just, I was just, you know, walking to my car and my knee started hurting. You know, what's up with that? Well, the answer is you're getting old and your body's breaking down. I don't put it quite like that. I use a little, a little more, a little more tact. Um, but that's the reality, right? Um, new resurrection body. Um, that was a promise that didn't mean a whole lot to me uh, when I was younger. But it's a promise that becomes more precious to me every year, right? And to uh, you as well. But not only will we not be in physical pain anymore, um, but Revelation says that death and loss and loneliness will be no more. Many of you have lost loved ones over the years. Some of you more recently. A spouse, a child, um, a mother, a father, a sibling. And, and God's promise is that in his kingdom, that pain is going to be gone. It will, it will be no more. In this life, the loss of a loved one is is a pain that never really goes away, right? It, it doesn't go away. But, but God's promise is that in his kingdom, your pain and loneliness and mourning will come to an end once and for all. In this life, there will be tears. But one day, God himself, God himself is going to, to wipe the tear off of your face as he embraces you and welcomes you into eternal life in his city. How awesome and wonderful that day is going to be. Revelation 22.5 says, And night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign 
forever and ever. Darkness and night in the scriptures um, can represent fear and suffering and evil and the rejection of truth and chaos. But, but more than anything, it represents an absence of God's presence. Darkness exists where God is absent. But where God is, where he dwells, there can be no darkness. Darkness cannot exist where there is light. The darkness cannot exist where God dwells. And so the, the new Jerusalem will be a city of glorious light. And, and so much so, it says that we won't need a sun or a moon anymore because the glory of King Jesus is going to be so marvelous to behold that it will illuminate the city. And so Jesus literally becomes the light of the world, right? And then look at what it says at the end of the verse. It says, they will reign forever and ever. Now, the, the they, that's talking about the saints. That's, that's talking about, about us, the church. And so we don't enter into our heavenly dwelling place as servants, but we enter in as co-rulers and co-heirs with Jesus, right? Because we are united with Christ, we will also reign with Christ. And so we're going to be doing what God originally commissioned us to do in the garden. We're not going to be spending eternity sitting on a cloud playing a harp, right? That would be boring. I'm not interested in that. But we will be ruling over and caring for God's perfect creation in partnership with Jesus, our King. That's what we're going to be doing. And finally, Revelation 21, 22, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. God's city won't have a, a, a temple or a church building in it because we're not going to need one. Adam and Eve didn't go to a temple to meet with God because God was already with them, dwelling with them, walking and talking with them. And, and this, church, this is the, the culmination of Emmanuel. We're not going to have to go anywhere special to, to find Jesus or worship Jesus because Jesus is going to be your neighbor. He's going to be living next door. He'll be living with you in the new Jerusalem for all eternity. What the scripture has promised is finally going to be true. That the dwelling place of God, where God, dwe where God dwells, where God lives, is with man, is with us. Is that something that you're looking forward to? Is that something that gives you hope? Is that something that motivates you to pursue Jesus, to pursue righteousness, to, to forsake your own kingdom and your own will and, and pray that God's kingdom would come and that God's will would be done? I cannot wait to live in the beauty of God's city.
I cannot wait to enjoy eternal fellowship with the saints from every nation, tribe, and tongue. I cannot wait for my resurrection body and for sin to be no more. I cannot wait for sorrow, loneliness, mourning, and death to be finished, to be ended. I cannot wait to see and live in the glorious light of the Lamb of God. And most of all, I cannot wait to be with and dwell with Jesus. To see Him, to know Him, to talk with Him, to be embraced by Him. I cannot wait for what has been God's purpose all along. Emmanuel. God is with us. Today, uh, there are still labor pains, right? Life can hurt. Life will hurt. Life can be really hard sometimes. But as, as Christians... As believers in Jesus, our focus is not on the pain, but what comes after, right? What comes after. And what is coming is eternal peace and joy in the presence of Christ, dwelling with him in his city in the New Jerusalem for eternity. That is Emmanuel, and that is worth celebrating on Friday this Christmas and that is worth celebrating every day and that is what we will celebrate for all of eternity let's pray together father your 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 promises to us are almost too wonderful to comprehend. But God, I, I thank you um, that even as we labor today, you are with us and you are preparing your city for us. And you are making all things new, like you promised. And God, I I thank you for the hope that we have, that you've promised us in your word. Lord, and I pray that that hope would become an absolute reality to your church, and that it would change the way that we live, and change the way that we think, and change what we prioritize, and change the way we spend our time, and change the way we spend our money, and change what it is that we're looking forward to. Lord, I I pray that the hope of the promises of your word would permeate us, take root in us, and change us, God. And I pray that this week and this Christmas that we would celebrate, truly celebrate, Emmanuel. It's nice to be with family. It's it's nice to give give and receive gifts. But but Lord, the true the true gift, the true celebration is Emmanuel. That you sent Jesus. And because of that, we get to look forward to eternity dwelling 
with you as our God. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> well, we're going to um, close this morning um, by coming to and celebrating the Lord's table together, the Lord's Supper, communion. And communion, much like Advent, um, is a place where we both look back and we also look forward, right? Coming to the table, to the Lord's table, serves as a reminder for us week after week after week that there is a much greater feast, a much greater table that is awaiting us. And that is the wedding supper of the Lamb, where we will sit at the table with Jesus and celebrate with him forever and ever that we are his bride and that he is with us. And so that's what we get to remember and look forward to every time we come to this table and we eat our little cracker and we we drink some juice. We get to look forward to what's coming. And that is something wonderful and awesome. So we're going to do that together. So I'm going to invite you to come up and you can grab one of these little packages here. And then if you'll go back to your seat and we will take these elements together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. And now, um, if you put your hands in a receiving position, I'm going to, uh, one last time, read this benediction over you from Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, which says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them And they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Go in peace and have a very Merry Christmas. See you guys next week.